Some of the world's greatest stories are told through song. We tell the stories about those who give us these songs. Not all the songs are great, but God damn do these guys make it interesting. You are now listening to Voluble Radio Podcast. Hey guys, what's going on? Uh, welcome to Voluble Radio. I'm your host, Mike, and co-hosting with me, as always, is Ryan. What's up, dude? What's going on? And on the Google and fact-checking, we got Rich. What's up, Richie? So, dude, when would you say you first got into uh, Sublime? The first time I remember hearing them was probably in Mallrats. Smoke Two Joints was playing. Wait, where in Mallrats is that? I've seen Mallrats a couple times. <laughs> um, at the end, when they're... Uh... When Jay and Silent Bob get the uh, other two guys that were supposed to be on the game show high. Is it the beginning of, is it like the bump, 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 like the intro to the song, or is it, it just, the actual? I think it's the hit and the bong part, actually. So that, yeah, 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 so like the, yeah, like the guitar solo-ish part. Okay, so what year was that that you first saw Mall Rats? That's 95. Oh, ooh, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I went into it, uh, I liked them as a kid. There was two ways you could have gone, was the Sublime and like 311 way. Or the corn and Deftones way, and I went to the corn and Deftones, so anything that wasn't that was lame. But, you know, been casual fan enough. Like, I hear here on the radio, and like, right, whatever, that's fine. Mm-hmm. See, I have to shut them off if I hear them on the radio. I can't. <laughs> now, yeah, any of the radio songs I fucking hate. Yeah, oh yeah, me but, too. But, like, at the time, I, was, I didn't give a shit about them. Like, on K-Rock, if they came on. Like, I can't hear listen to wh- what I got. Hell yeah, I never want to hear that again, or Santeria, yeah. or fucking... Or Date Rape, or, or any of them. Yeah, yeah like... And so my impression, too, was like going into this, I was like, yeah, you know what? I can't even listen to them when they come on the radio. Not really into jam bands, really. I know they're not a jam band, but like I always put them in that crowd. With I don't them. know what it says about their fan. I'm not I don't want to generalize, but um, a lot of my ex-girlfriends were into them like heavy. So that's also I got that in it. So I don't know what that says about a person, but they were all fucking nuts. Not nuts as much as, like, criminals. I think I read something where Brian Posehn, right, that's his name? Mm-hmm. Uh, he did an article for Loudwire or one of those things. Yeah, 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 It was, like, Hate Song of the Week or something. And he's talking about Santeria. And I think he describes him as as the fan base for Sublime as a stinkier, meaner juggalo. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And he's like, no offense to the guy. I feel bad and all this stuff, but... If I saw him playing that guitar in that video, I would have walked over Belushi style and smashed it against <laughs> a wall. And like, I, it's like they have this like universally hated thing about them. Like, if you are because they're like generally as sad as the story is, they're kind of happy. They're like a more upbeat. Well, some songs are know, down. So yeah, some are really. Yeah, down. I'm yeah. just thinking. I guess you know what? I'm kind of just thinking of all the radio ones that are like upbeat, and <laughs> I guess also date rape doesn't count either. So I don't know what the fuck I'm saying. <laughs> well, they had that like vibes. Yeah, they got vibes. Anything with vibes usually is uh, lame. Yeah, usually, and I and like. Yeah, it's just crazy. Like I, they probably would have been the great, like the greatest band of the 2000s. Let's not get crazy. Yeah. The biggest band. Ah, you said greatest. Oh well, yeah, yeah, the biggest <laughs> band at that. Because yeah, this could have probably been like their uh, last uh, Sublime, and then they would have just maybe made fucking shit and just gone too commercial or something. Agreed. Maybe. Yeah, they could have been Who like knows? Smash Mouth. Yeah, that, exactly. You know? Who the hell knows? Maybe he would have lost it. He stopped doing heroin. Maybe he didn't have the drive, and he's happy, so he didn't have 
and he just became terrible. Mm-hmm. So maybe this was the best case scenario, but I doubt it. I guess it best case scenario would just be some crappy well, musicians now. Then I was actually died. talking to somebody that's never not been a fan of Sublime, like that, right from the time he was like a little kid. Yeah. And his impression of Sublime, what he said to me was, um, it's almost good that he does die in '96 because then it just that album Slip to him up, yeah. is like so commercial yeah. pop that he was like. Okay, let's cut it here. Everything there back. That's like the catalog. I mean, they have more than enough songs. Where I mean, their albums are like twenty-two tracks. Some of them, you know yeah. what I mean. So they they put their music out. And, and there's a lot of alternate versions and distant. There's cool like Easter egg stuff in their album yeah. stuff too, and I, I really like it. It's really cool. Uh, yeah, I love how uh, they add like uh, sampling and like even scratching and shit in it. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. So they like yeah, kind of made up a type of music. I call them sublime. Any band that sounds like it's sublime. Yeah. Dude, sublime? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, sublime. That's the thing about sublime is like you see a guy walking down the street, he's got the sublime sublime thing. You're like, dude, sublime and just sublime, bro. And you they're like completely diff- different personalities, different walks of life, but they still connect over the hating Rome. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, nobody likes Sublime with Rome. But yeah, I guess generally speaking, I mean, after doing all this research now, I'm like, um, I don't know. I, I kind of like them now, but I guess let's just get started with the timeline, you know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, it really starts with Bradley Knoll. Mm-hmm. Like, he's the heart and soul of the band. Like, the other two guys are awesome musicians in their own right. Uh, they just never had a word. Like, they never said anything, it seems like. They never had a yeah, they, say. I, I was watching. really have a say in stuff, or was it kind of just a Bradley Knoll show? Well, it was like kind of like Bradley, to me, like didn't want. He was the band leader, absolutely, but he wanted everybody to be kind of equal. Yeah. But the other two guys, it's like I try to watch interviews with just Bradley, and every time it was just all sublime. I just was like, I can't listen to all this California stoner rock, like surfer accent. No offense yeah, yeah. to so- SoCal. Like, if it's just Bradley, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to listen to everything you have to say. I want to hear what you have to say. But yeah. the other two guys are like, yeah, dude, and like Hong Kong fooey and stuff like that, dude. Like, Oh, yeah, that might have also been the first time I heard them. I was on the Saturday morning Greatest Hits mm-hmm. CD. They did Hong Kong fooey. Yep. And I remember that being fucking awesome. The band is awesome. Uh, all big fans of Hong Kong fooey. Yeah. Um, that was a good CD. Look into that. But uh, so Bradley Knoll was born February of '68. He has a sister Kelly, and they were raised outside of Long Beach. So they were right outside of Long Beach right from the get go, right? Mm-hmm. And I like to think of Long Beach with like Snoop Dogg in it, right? Because I think Nicolas Cage is from Long Beach. It's like such a diverse area in the country. It's like very strange. Random thing I heard. Warren G. Who else? Nate Dogg, I believe, is from Long Beach. I don't want to go on a tire, uh, just a completely different thing. I heard Nicolas Cage is related to uh, Jason Schwartzman. I think I've heard that, too, actually. All right. Jason Rushmore. Schwartzman. Yeah, Rushmore kid. Yeah. Yeah, he's a, he's a full-grown man now. You know? <laughs> but, um, <laughs> uh, so his father, Jim Knoll, was a construction worker. From what I researched on him and what I saw on like the behind the music and all that, he was like really into guitar so much so that the grandfather would play guitar, his brothers would play guitar. It was like a family tradition of everybody playing guitar and playing music. And of course, he gives Brad a guitar. And then on his mother's side, his mother actually taught piano. So I think that's also where he got his vocal lessons mm. from too. 
So right from the jump, he's got a lot of musical influ- influence in his in his family life. Yeah. But the parents split up when he's ten. Uh, his mom gets custody of both the kids, but apparently uh, Bradley is too out of control, so he goes and lives with his dad. <laughs> <laughs> 1979, Jim takes Brad on a boating trip, and they go to the Virgin Islands, and this is the first time... After they left, they were only known as the islands. Uh, okay. um, so they take a trip to the Virgin Islands, and Brad gets exposed to reggae for the first time. Which, you know, that's pretty cool. Like, you got to figure 1979, uh, reggae. Oh, yeah, when it was, like, the biggest there, when it was, like, starting. Was it was that... just start Like, in the States, it was a joke. Like, yeah. I don't even think, like, you know, reggae came with Bob Marley, and it kind of left when he left, too. Like, in the States, at least. So, I feel like he gets his roots in reggae and dance hall and all this, like, island sound, like, before it even hits the states and gets big. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I, in that sense, I feel like he gets some cred. That was like um, the summer that Who Let the Dogs Out came out. I was in Miami, and uh, I think I heard it like a month or two before you guys did, just so you know. Oh, very cool. Um, so you're welcome. That's also lots of cred for that. Uh-huh. Eric Wilson. But then it got so like played out, I was like, this shit's been played out for a fucking week and a half when I heard it in Miami first. God, I hate you. Uh, so Eric Wilson, <laughs> Eric Wilson, the bass player, and Bud Gaw, the drummer of Sublime, uh, they're neighbors at this time. So it's like 1979. Um, Eric Wilson's father is a jazz drummer, and I think he's a music professor. So he teaches uh, Eric how to play bass. I think he wants to play trumpet at first because he's like, you don't want to carry around a drum set or something or gear. Just yeah. play the trumpet. And then Eric Wilson was just kind of like, and I was like, yeah, no, I don't want to play no trumpet. I, I can't even, that accent's so hard to do. Like, <laughs> Also, I got a great, uh, later at the end of the show, we, we play a game called Who Would Play Who in the Movie? And I got some good ones for Sublime, actually. Yeah, I, I got an all right one. All right. Um, so, yeah, he's a jazz drummer, and because Bud is neighbors with Eric, uh, Eric's father teaches Bud how to play drums. Mm-hmm. So from, the, from a very young age, the two of them also are getting – college level tutelage from the time they're like <laughs> little kids you know like it so they all have like musicianship they all have like a little bit of credit yeah they've so, been playing yeah. since they were fucking like 11 all right not like i think between 9 and 11 all they right, also are playing so, yeah they're into it and they were all reading music from from the get-go they were all learning like the proper way to play music sing and all that so the two of them eric and bud <laughs> Uh, uh, <laughs> Eric and Bud start this band called the Juice Brothers, and they're like this punk band. I don't know if you were watching the interviews. They like sometimes talk about the Juice Brothers. Like, oh, I don't know. That reminds me of like the Juice Brothers talking. Or <laughs> I don't know if they talk. If they sound that California. I I was trying to watch these interviews, and they were just <laughs> going back and forth. Like no, and then like the other thing is, dude, tubular <laughs> radical. Yes. Yeah. Hong Kong Philly would like come <laughs> in the room and be bodacious. <laughs> well, I thought it was Mexican. That's all I knew. It's Mexico. I didn't know there's any other races or any other cultures. Yeah, he did say that in that interview. That was yeah. really weird. I was like, what the hell are you talking <laughs> I'm about? I'm like, dude? okay. 
And I feel like that's kind of why record labels wanted to kind of stay away from them at first, too. Because like, they were just stonery idiots. Like, they seem like totally, just interview-wise, you could be like, yeah, of course you guys they were, were probably, yeah, they frat were, boys and this and that. But then the music, you're like, all right, damn, you guys could play and... Yeah, you got skill. You're doing. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Always knew what they knew, were doing. Um, so at sixteen, uh, let's see here. The bass player Eric and uh, what's that asshole's? No, no, no. And uh, Brad now start a band as well, right. and they have this band called uh, Hogan's Heroes. <laughs> By the way, I'll just let you know you just went. And uh, what's that asshole's? Uh, <laughs> you talking about Brad? Brad. Oh yeah, Bradley Noel. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so they have this band with Eric, uh, but you know Brad wants to play ska and reggae right from the jump, and Eric is kind of like, nah, I don't know, dude. This sounds kind of lame, if you ask me. Like, like I said, like it's like. Reggae came and went with Bob Marley, so, like, after Bob Marley died, it was kind of like, yeah. the only time you hear reggae is in, like, a, a weekend at Bernie's or, like, <laughs> something like that, you know? Like, and more Calypso than reggae, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, <clears throat> so, yeah, so what happens is then the band breaks up, uh, he goes to college in 86, this is Bradley, uh, and then when he returns home from spring break, Eric and Bud are playing the Juice Brothers band, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, basically Eric's like, oh, yo, my bro, Brad's back from college. <laughs> we should, like, toast jam with them. I don't know. They're like Bill and Ted now. <laughs> <laughs> they, they are like Bill and Ted. Let's just go with that. <laughs> and uh, so Bloody they jam Mary. with Brad, and they, well, they, they, knock it off, they knock it out of the park right off the bat, uh, so much so that Brad transfers from the university that he's at in Santa Fe, and he comes closer to Long Beach. So he's at, like, Cali U in 88 now, and now they start Sublime. Um, yeah, so now at this point they start blending in a little bit of punk with the reggae and dance hall and shit like that. Basically, like, the way Brad convinces the other two to get into it is that uh, it's kind of like punk, dude. It's like, but upbeat, you know? <laughs> so they're like, okay, cool, yeah, it's like, you know. Okay, this sounds tubular. <laughs> Sounds toad sweet, dude. Uh, totally sweet tits. <laughs> we love California. It's just, uh, it's so too funny. Uh, so the, uh, okay, so they start adding uh, punk rock, and now they start start off just playing barbecues and house parties, and they just gets rowdier and rowdier. Like th this is where like they start partying a little bit more, you know, smoking weed, drinking. Um, a lot of their shows get shut down because it's just like backyard barbecue, like. Dude, you totally got to check. We got to stop with that. But <laughs> it would just be like people like, you got to check out this reggae punk band, guys. It's crazy. <laughs> um, and, yeah, so they start getting popular amongst barbecue crowds. <laughs> Ooh, that's a good That's a good crowd to get in. But loyal customer. It's, yeah, see Sublime, get a burger. It's fucking sweet, dude. Cops show up and bust it up. I, I saw this one video where the cop busts up a party. He's like, all right, you guys sound pretty good, but if you fuck with me, I'm going to put you right to the curb. <laughs> like something crazy like that. And he's like, and then Brad's just like, all right, guys, see you later. Thanks for the show. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, but the clubs don't want to play them because they're too, like, quote-unquote, like, eclectic sounding. They, like, sound too much like, 
they're kind of like, I don't know, weekend at Bernie's, music at our club. I don't, <laughs> I don't get it, guys. But sometimes you bust into like a rap sound. We yeah. don't know what the fuck's going on. Yeah, you guys are like kind of rap, funky, white boy, reggae, something. <laughs> yeah, no, we do punk music here, man. And, um, yeah, so they have trouble. So what they do is Wilson and Noel start uh, Skunk Records. And this allows them to um, sound more legit when they're, like, pitching themselves at a club. They're like, oh, you know, we're representatives of Skunk Records, you know. Yeah. We're here to promote this band. <laughs> yes, that sounds very professional. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they're like, oh, Skunk, right on, brother. <laughs> Dude, I got some Skunk in the trunk. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so now they start to get shows. Um, and uh, they, this is where they start becoming more of a legit band. Um, 1990, Noel drops out of college. Uh, he just adopts a dog, a little lovable Dalmatian by the name of Lou Dog. Lou Dog! And Lou Dog becomes the mascot of, uh, of the band. And he's named after Noel's grandfather. His grandfather, Dog. It was his dog's grandfather. Uh, so uh, hold for edit. Because he gets the dog, he meets the Scott. No, um, I wanted it, the story to turn out that he gets the dog and then he lifts it loose and then runs him into the producer. That's like kind of the fourth member of the band. <laughs> but uh, so basically, he meets uh, Michael Miguel Happels. I think it's pronounced Lou Dog. No, 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 no. Michael Miguel Happels. Happy. Uh, we're gonna go with Miguel. So Miguel uh, is like this local. Uh, music student at Cal State Dominguez and he originally joined Sublime as a fourth member like a second guitar player but Bradley kind of cuts it off and he's just like uh no you know what I'm the only guitar player in this band so <laughs> you're gonna be the producer guy and just do the stuff behind the scenes so and that's what he does he basically becomes the backbone of Skunk Records which is Sublime's record label and um you know, he just he does all their dealings. He's their manager. He's their producer. He helps with the samples. Does he ever play uh, on stage or anything? Sometimes, yeah. And he plays on some of the albums and shit. Like, mm -hmm. he's the other guitar player. He's like the Rick Rubin of the band. All right. All right? So, like, you know, so he's the hot behind-the-scenes guy. So, Miguel, because he's going to this college, he sneaks the band into the campus recording studio. Uh, and he does it after hours, and they record uh, Ja Won't Pay the Bills on cassette. And basically what ends up happening is they end up getting $30,000 of recording time completely for free. Oh, nice. So How so? Because of what I just said. They sneak the band in after hours into the college. Oh, yeah. I wasn't listening. My bad. <laughs> I don't think anybody else is at this point, too, because goddamn is sublime. I was, like, looking for, like, anything crazy, crazy about Yeah, sublime. they really don't have that other than the lead singer dying and being addicted to heroin. It was kind of, like, just friends hanging out and making music. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's the impression I got. So they record Job Won't Pay the Bills. Uh, the cassette features the demo of Bad Fish and Date Rape. Um, and though, and we everybody that knows those songs have heard those songs because the song that you know, the production value, everything, is off the demo. Oh, that's straight up off the demo, those two versions? That bop, 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 That's the demo. Oh, nice. Yeah, and so, yeah, so you get Bad Fish and Date Rape right off the bat. They take that cassette and they just start selling it themselves and it starts getting... So much circulation that date rape ends up on the radio K-Rock out there. Yeah. Or K-R-O-Q. K-R-O-Q, yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm like, that's fucking... So, for all the people that hate on Sublime, these guys are DIY to the fucking core. Like, right, oh, yeah. off, right there. They they record. They, they're that good in the studio. 
Um, and without any major backing, they get on the radio right off, of, right there, like yeah. in the L.A. County area. So that's fucking sick. When did um, I don't know if I'm jump. I'm sure I'm jumping the gun here, but when did they do the song uh, "Saw Red" with Gwen Stefani? Was she already Gwen? Like no, no, no. She, this is before, that and that's before also no doubt blew up. So th- what's cool about Sublime too? Hold, burping real hold loud. For throw up. Yeah, I just burped a big smelly burp off Mike. But um, uh, yeah, no, Gwen is not famous at all. And it's kind of cool that they all came up in this time when before Sublime was famous. Where do you hear? So they end up doing the first Warp Tour too. I'm gonna get to that. But you, where do you hear some of the bands that are on there? And none of them are famous at this point. Mm. So at this point, Brad doesn't. Isn't really into drugs. He like he does drinking and he smokes pop, but he's he does drinking. He does drink. <laughs> he drinks alcohol. He does drinking. He does the pot. <laughs> but he's always been scared of heroin. He's always just kind of been like, no, that's a fucked up drug. I don't want to take that shit. Um, as you should. As you should. But like he gets this like thing in his head where, like, he needs to wear this heroin thing as a badge. And it's like this really weird thing about. It's kind of similar to how, like, Gigi Allen needed to be so the real deal to be able to play his music. Like, he needed to feel that way, too. Yeah. You know? Like, so for him, like, came from a middle-class background, nothing too crazy, so he needed to feel like he was real. Like, that's the impression I get. He's just like, I need to, it makes you more creative. Yeah, it does, it does just kind of say he just, like, jumps into it out of nowhere or nothing, like, I don't know. Did it say you got it from a friend, or did he just go, were other people around him doing it? Well, you know funny you mentioned that the first guy that has a drug problem in the band is bud and he's gets fucked up with the heroin like so brad starts doing the heroin um but to some degree thinks he can control his habit like he thinks he can like play i don't know it's hard just enough for inspiration but not enough for to fuck his life up Yes, yes. So for inspiration and also kind of image too, which is really strange to me. Yeah. Um, I feel like Kurt Cobain kind of had that problem too. Yeah, I can see that. Where there's this like weird thing about heroin, where it's like, like I'm the artist, stick a needle in my arm. I don't know. Like, what do you think about that? Like, like. Just, yeah, I can see that for sure. Like, like they need to be in right. a dark place all the time or something to keep up the image and the inspiration for the, the whole thing. Plus, it looks like it's really fun. It looks cool, too. <laughs> I'm impressed when I see him. Like, damn, you're hardcore. I like that. Holy shit, heroin, dude. All right, cool. You really love the art. Sublime. <laughs> Sublime is also code word for uh, heroin on the street, I heard, too. Um, so, yeah, so, yeah, so now um, they go back and do the same trick where they sneak in after hours to record um, uh, 40 Ounce of Freedom. Um, and basically, like, Noel goes on and he says, uh, you know, we weren't supposed to be there after 9 p.m. We get in at 9.30 and stay until 5 in the morning. I'm like, that's fucking, that seems really cool. Like, sneak in. Yeah. You guys know you're that good right off the jump. Like I said, Badfish demo is Badfish, you know. There's yeah. no other version of that. Um, I mean, except for live or, you know, <laughs> uh, Sublime with Rome. So those are really like- people partying in the background? I'm, that, I was thinking that too. I tried looking into that. I couldn't really find it. Shut up. Yeah. That yeah, there's um yeah, and we hear all the glasses clanking yeah. in the background of Badfish. I was like, they probably had a party there, which That's is cool. Uh, it's so killer. <laughs> um, so they go in to do uh forty ounce. You know, forty ounce as 
as an album kind of sounds like a mixtape to me more than yeah. it does like a rock album. Uh, actually, all of their albums kind of are like a mixtape, I feel. It gives it like a originality. There's something really cool. Like, I thought I was going to listen to their music and be like, oh, I'm like fucking, no, I'm so over Sublime. I don't want to hear any of this yeah. shit. And then going back and listening to it again, and I'm like, wow, holy shit, this is really good. And yeah. it flows nice. Uh-huh. And I mean, any one of the songs on 40 Ounces for Freedom, and I, like I mentioned, throughout a certain period, they got like $30,000 of free recording time. Yeah, yeah. 40 Ounces of Freedom, they sold independently for 60,000 copies. There you go. So for the people that say that Sublime sounds like sellout music or anything like that, I'm like, these guys, are there people saying that? I was on Reddit and shit, and it's just like, oh, this just sounds like, you know, gay, whatever. Like, yeah, yeah. Just garbage music Reddit that, stuff. like, yeah, that people that don't know music listen to. Yeah. And I'm like, that's, okay, that's kind of unfair to say of them, you know? Like, yeah. if anything, they were maybe not real in their lyrics, but they were real in the fact that they didn't have um, a producer, so to speak, to write Bad Fish, to write people. Exactly, yeah. They did it themselves. They were just that talented. And they sound great. I, I... I I gotta say, I was trying to find Production, stuff. Production, everything about it. I was trying to find stuff that I wanted to rip on this episode too. so bad. I, yeah. I really tried, and I couldn't really find much. We kind of did this episode on short notice, and we're like, okay, let's do Sublime. That seems like it's an easy joke. And now we're just going through it. We're like, yeah, that's what happened. Yeah, it's just what it's nothing that funny. And it's just <laughs> so like, if you're still hanging in there, th- thanks for listening. I mean, not funny, but hey, it's Sublime. We came out liking Sublime, and that's yeah. always a good thing. So I didn't expect either of us. I thought I was going to be playing devil's advocate too. Yeah, pretty much. I thought yeah. you were going to be the hater. And, and something else around this time, too, like Brad starting to do heroin. Um, he was, uh, from the beginning, getting a lot of, you're in the music industry just to make money. And I'm like, that's just not fair yeah, that's to weird. do. So it's like with that mix, I felt like him picking up the drug habit was like, no, I am real. Like, I, yeah, I, I can see that. And plus the pressure and all that shit is just getting to him. Like, he's running a band. He's running a label. He's trying to do all this stuff. And it's just it, it makes him crack. It's really sad, to be yeah. honest with you. Like, the guy was definitely really... Ter- like, would you agree that Bradley probably has the most recognizable voice from the 90s? If not one of them. Yeah, you could tell it's him, and it's original, and it's not like he's ripping someone off or mm-hmm. anything. Like, it's... Yeah. Although, uh, w- listening back on certain songs, he does kind of sound like Adam Sandler's, like, Haba Doobies. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, well, that, like... Don't that was probably around the same time where... <laughs> I was like, that's kind of funny. like, <laughs> Or like Stephen Lynch or something. I was like, yeah, there's something kind of weird about his voice. I don't know what it is, but I mean. It, I'm sure that's coincidental. Yeah, uh, I hope so, at least. Uh, but halfway through the recording of 40 Ounce, uh, Bud has to leave the band because he has this heroin problem. Mm-hmm. And he goes to this Christian rehab center. And uh, the guy that helps him finish is this dude, uh, Ross, or I'm sorry, uh, Marshall Goodman, a.k.a. Ross M.G., and that's uh, it's Riders on the Microphone and Ross M.G. Yeah. So that's Ross M.G. is also kind of like this honorary member of the band, so to speak. Like, So um, he also does some scratch work on the album and stuff. He does. Yeah, he's, he's mentioned also in, uh, I guess, Garden Grove at the end in the oh. scratch. Ross M.G. go. Oh, true, true. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he has a big, like, production part in the band, but for a little bit, he's actually part of the band. He's like a mix master Mike kind to the Beastie Boys. Yeah, Marshall Goodman. Um, so he is actually the drummer on the Date Rape song. 
and he's uh, the drummer on Smoke Two Joints, too. Oh, really? Yeah, mm-hmm. and he also gets writing, uh, writing credit for Doing Time right. and uh, April 29th, 1962, which comes later. 92. When I say 62. <laughs> yep. I'm sure something fucked up happened then, too. Um, <laughs> the album is sold uh, mostly at their shows. It sells 60,000 copies. Uh, now they're getting the radio. So now people are constantly requesting this date rape song because now 40 Ounce has it, too, and it's just fucking sick. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it's crazy the rotation that it gets put on. Uh, so the band goes on tour now with Marshall, uh, Ross MG, and it kind of takes a toll on him, and he quits, and... The guys in the band say that he just couldn't handle the road, but he, like, makes reference to the fact he's like, yeah, man, I don't know. All these people paid this money to come see us, and they're playing their songs, but Brad's up there just rapping NWA lyrics. I just thought, (laughs) you know, this isn't what they came to see, you know? And I kind of agree with him, too. Yeah. You know, it's like, all right, dude, get it together. Like, Not because he was strung out? Is that why he was doing that, or just because? This is him starting to descend into, like, Heroin addicts, right. you know, um, from just dabbling, I kind of got a handle on this shit. To I now I'm starting control. to lose it, guys. Yeah, and it's around this time too. Um, he starts dating uh, that girl Troy, who he ends up marrying for <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> but um, despite the popularity that he's getting in South Car- Cal- California now because of Forty Ounce, yeah, he still can't get signed to a major label. People just don't want them. Like, uh, too reggae, too... Now, that sounds crazy to me in the 90s. Like, it sounds like it fits right in perfectly. Uh, we're talking I, like, about 90... nothing that crazy that, like... Mm-hmm. Like, you know? Mm-hmm. What, t- what year are we saying? This is, like, 92. 92, yeah. So you had, like, Chili Peppers there doing kind of wackier rapping... It's... Funk, metal. I don't think people were ready to hear... Scarlet Begonias with a drum sample underneath it, like a, a Grateful Dead song with a drum sample. Like now, I think they were. Oh, oh, oh excuse me, sorry. Oh. And then he's talking about. I, I just, I don't think the record. You, you got to think like Nirvana's big, Allison Chains is big. They're like, yeah, yeah. Is some white boy rapping thing gonna be big? Like, there's already the Beastie Boys. Like, well, I, nobody knew what to look at that as. It's like kind of like. It's kind of like the Chili Peppers, but like reggae and hip hop rather than like rap metal, whatever the fuck. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Um, but um, yeah, so then halfway through this tour, Marshall, uh, he drops out and they get this guy, Kelly Vargas, who's a high school friend, friend of the band. I also find it funny that Marshall was also a high school friend of the band and that this group of talented people just were friends together in and high, yeah, in some high school in some high school and they just got their song on the radio they just started touring it doesn't get much realer than that to me at least you know yeah uh, so i mean the thing that people say about them being a sellout or whatever i mean i i don't know i think people associate the fans that appropriated the music rather than the band itself to the name sublime yeah you feel what i'm trying yeah, to say yeah um but, you know, say lovey, I guess. Sucks to you. Um, <laughs> Brad starts to write songs for Robin in the Hood. Now we're at 93. Robin the Hood. Robin the Hood, yes. <laughs> Robin in the Hood. <laughs> it was a song about birds. Uh, so then um, it, it, he starts to really surprise people about how quickly he could turn around and write a good fucking song. Like, people are like, holy shit, this guy's the real deal. He's busting out, like, hit after hit after hit. 
Like any of these songs would be a hit for any band yeah. that's out right now. That's yep. insane. Um, so then uh, they actually get the attention of Atlantic Records, and Atlantic wants to pick them up because they they've heard Date Rape on the radio, whatever it is. They like their sound. I guess like Mighty Mighty Boston's might be getting kind of some recognition somewhere in the Boston scene, right. and maybe they have some kind of network being like, "Well, Sky's big here, and if we put them here and at this time, you know, like so." I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. They're looking at them and they're like, "Oh, maybe," you know. And what year is this? Ninety two, still ninety three. So like ninety three, they give them money to record. So a lot of the money they get to record the better quality tracks on Robbing the Hood, mm-hmm. um, they get from Atlantic, even though Atlantic doesn't pick them up. So Atlantic gives them the money, like, oh, don't sign with nobody, and then it all falls through. But they're like, ah, oh, whatever, you keep the money. Oh, wow. That's good so, for them. Yeah, it's good for them, you know. Um, so also now Ross MG kind of only wants to dip in and out of the band, and what's-his-name has come back now. Bud's come back. Right. Um, he's clean. He's ready to start recording all this stuff. Um, and to cut in a lot of the DJ work, they find this guy, Doug Boyce. Now – when they call this guy Doug, he's living in the in living in his car. So I don't know how they call him. He's like, yeah, they just call me up, and I was like, on some bad times. I was like, living in my car. I'm like, it's 1993. How were they calling you, and you're living in your car at the Del Taco? <laughs> so they knew to get me there. So this dude Doug, he gets a call from his father, like, you know, <laughs> I'm gonna do the father's impression now. Yo, Doug, I think, like, totally Brad's looking for some guy for the DJ. So Doug goes and meets him, and he's like, oh, man, you know, Brad's starting to blow up. I'm sure I'm going to meet him at some recording studio. So he meets Brad at a crack house, hmm. and 13, I believe, of the f- over, I think it's 23 tracks on the CD, 13 of them are recordings from this crack house. So Brad's playing guitar with, like, needles and shit all around him, and the dude's just like, wow, I couldn't believe that this was Brad. I always thought he was too cool for this stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's... So on that album, a lot of songs are recorded in a crack house. Fucking... I, I it, don't know. I kind of could see that. It sounds like it for some of them. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, what's it called? So, yeah, so uh, Brad just jumps out on the four track. The dudes start scratching. They start laying down tracks right there. And he says to Brad's um, recording ability, he's like a wizard on the four track. He's like knows how to move this thing, fucking tweak it right, all that shit. Um, uh, this album also has uh, Gwen Stefani on it before she's famous, and that's the song Saul Red, uh, which uh, this is before they're all famous. And also, uh, you know, we're also at the height of Noel's drug addiction, obviously, if he's recording in a crack house. Um, <laughs> but he also wrote, uh, does the song Pool Shark on this album, and it's that One Day I'm Gonna Lose the War song. Yeah. That one day I'm gonna lose the war. So, uh, yeah, so it's just really sad. It's kind of hard to, like, riff with this one because, like, the guy's just got all the pressure in the world on top of him. He knows how good they kind of are. He knows what they have is special. I don't know. He's just shooting up. And they just can't get anywhere, yeah. Yeah, and they just can't get that breakthrough. You know, nobody wants to touch them. Um, but it's because they record this, they get the, enough popularity from Rob, Robin the Hood uh, to get on the first Warp Tour. Oh, nice. Um, so this is like 94. Uh, a couple bands that are on this Warp Tour are not only Sublime, but the Deftones. 
uh, No Doubt. Now, that's Deftones before they were even signed. Yeah, that's Deftones before yeah. they were signed, 94, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, well, it went all over the place, too. Camden, Irvine. I have a funny thing about the Camden thing, too, but uh, uh, who else was there? Sick of It All and Supernova. Right. I'm like, okay, that's pretty pretty significant to be on a tour like that. Uh, and speaking of the Camden thing, uh, when they're on that leg of the tour, it kind of shows that the rest of the country doesn't get Sublime yet. Because they're in Camden, and I forget what song they're doing. They're playing it, and it cuts to the crowd, and there's like 25 people there. They all have the arms folded, and maybe Ooh. one fat, drunk guy like, ooh, yeah, love <laughs> reggae, man. Just like <laughs> throwing his arms around and shit. Um, and then they cut like in the middle of the song to them playing that same song in Irvine. Fucking hundreds of people. Everybody knows nuts. the lyrics to the words, yeah. all the words and all that. I just, it, I'm like, that's fucking insane to me, like. Uh, also on this leg of the t- typical Jersey, yeah, Jersey uh, always is last to get it, I guess. It's filled uh, with hate and unacceptance, and 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 ironically, the most sublime sublime fans probably in the country. <laughs> I knew so many people that love Sublime in Jersey. It's fucking yeah. ridiculous. Um, I, other than us, I, I think everyone likes them. I don't know anyone else that doesn't. No, a lot of people don't like Three Eleven. Yeah, Three Eleven gets a lot more hate than yeah. They probably deserve. That's because if they died back in '96, they would have been like Sublime. I saw who's Jonah Ray. Yeah, him say something. I think it was him that said that had they not died, they would have never blown up. And I just don't think that's like. Oh no, that's not true. Yeah, that's not true or fair. They were. Yeah, like I we said, all the stuff that happened while he was still alive before that album came out. Like he was on the Mallrat soundtrack and. They were on the fucking Saturday morning cartoon. They were just always on the edge of breaking. Yeah. And it, that's, it was just time. Yeah. Because yeah. they had the talent. It wasn't like they were just like these, these oh, they only because they had it. No, the fucking music was good. Yeah. And, and that's well, me they, saying I thought I'd, I thought I'd be the last person to say that. Me too. And now I, I'm I, revisiting it for this episode. I'm like, holy shit. I was like, this is going to be a lot of easy punches. And good, like yeah. And it changed my mind. All I got is making fun of California Completely accent. changed that's my it. mind, yeah. <laughs> that's all we I got. got nothing. <laughs> um, uh, God, I love him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also on that tour, um, oh, there's a show. They play in upstate New York where Brad's too fucked up. And he's just like, oh, like I can't, because Brad's like kind of pudgy and like <laughs> kind of got like a roll of hot dogs in the back of his neck, kind of <laughs> pudgy. And he's like playing it too drunk, and he's like hitting his head in the microphone, and he's strumming it where the <clears throat> strings are hitting the mic stand and stuff. So it's like, bang! Oh, it's just terrible. So somebody throws a piece of mud on the stage, and Eric Wilson picks up the mud, the bass player. And throws it back, and it just causes everybody. To oh yeah, it's a Green Day uh, Woodstock '94. Yeah. They did that. Yep. Um, and yeah, just a riot. Riot basically ensues. Uh, the drummer Bud ends up fighting Brad. Oh. And gets kicked out of the band for a day. Oh Some, damn. Because there's an interview with Bud, and he's like, "Like I'm over here, and like Brad's coming over here, and he's like trying to sucker punch me, so I just beat the shit out of him. <laughs> My fucking ribs hurt and shit. Fuck him. Like, like, I guess like." Duly so. Like, apparently there was a keg before the show, and all of them got fucking house before the yeah. show. So, um, yeah, that was pretty funny. Um, and then on the follow-up tour that they did with this band called the Brooklyn Lords, I believe it was, something like that. Um, <clears throat> just to get into some of the uh, the myth of Sublime, they apparently uh, try to go to a Denny's. Did you see that thing on that? No. So they try to go to a Denny's at 2 o'clock in the morning. They close at 1 o'clock in the morning. 
they go in there and they basically say like, hey, I, we need a table for eight and smoking. And they go, we ain't got a table for eight and smoking. He's like, okay, a table for eight and non-smoking. No, we ain't got a table for eight and non-smoking. Okay, two tables of four and smoking. <laughs> <laughs> so finally, finally they break it down where they're like, okay, how about those two tables right there? Long story short, they bring the crew and everybody out this really fucked up gross food. And they go to Sublime. They go, is that your, hey, man, is that your camper out there in the parking lot? They're like, yeah, what about it? Well, it's getting towed right now. They run out. They're like, fuck you, screaming, not paying for shit, whatever. And they back the camper up to the uh, back door where the deliveries come into the Denny's. And they release the uh, shitter so it goes all over the walls <laughs> and everything. And I think um, Eric Wilson was just like, they were interviewing him. He's like, can you uh, touch on the Denny's incident? And he's like, oh, man, I can't do that because it might be incriminating. <laughs> and they're like, well, two of the other members already said. He's like, okay, okay, then I wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was a pretty funny story. Um, so 95, uh, Troy and um, uh, Troy, who is Brad's girlfriend, and him have the kid. Uh, the kid? I forget. I meant to write his name down. I didn't write his name down. <laughs> Rich? Rich, can you go that? Yeah, Google uh, Bradley Knoll's uh, kid. Jacob. Jacob Knoll. Okay, yeah. Who I watched a video of. Um, yeah, he sounds like his dad, and he's good. I The one I watched, I was like, ooh, boy. Really? Which one? There was he one was like, about sitting heroin. on the lawn, and he's like whisper Oh, uh, no. And I was I like, saw, Jacob with a K. Yeah. Um, I saw one where it was uh, like a house party, and it was out by the pool, and they were just playing... Um, and it was a band, and there was like a good band, the guitarist like did a solo and shit, and um, it was really good. And the song some... had something to do with heroin, like oh god, no. he was screaming something about heroin, but then went into it. It was uh, not bad. I think it was Law is the name of the band. Yeah, could you check out uh, Jacob No Law? I believe Law. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So they have a kid together, Jacob, and um. Also around this time, now they finally get the attention of uh, Gas Alley Records, which is a division of MCA Records, and this is their first uh, breakthrough major kind of thing. Label. Yeah, major label trying to see them, right? Um, now, they eventually get signed to MCA, but f they almost blow the fucking deal um, because the dude, John Phillips, he's like an executive there, or yeah, he's... Like, he has a capability. He, I think he might be a producer. He, he ends up becoming a manager of the band. The He's future. the guy that just uh, totally screwed him out of... John... Wait, what's that? He's the guy that screwed him out of the... Like, they were going to have a meeting, and so yeah. they all just went into his... Yeah, well, w the way John Phillips sells it is that he invites the band over to this MCA divisional uh, office. They tell the band to wait. The band's waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. Um and the way John Phillips says is like they had a bunch of R&B acts in, they had a bunch of people in, they were they're they're doing dealings. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. Long story short, Sublime somehow gets into the the boss's office and they sort of have a rowdy party and Lou Dog shits in the corner. Lou Dog shits in the corner. They have beer cans and stuff in there. But what John Phillips says does them in is on the way out they see the boss's car and they slap a huge ass Sublime sticker on the back of his Mercedes or something. Like, you fucking assholes. Like, like the guy was like, okay, they're rock stars. Fuck him. They walk outside. I just picture him putting his briefcase in there. And he's just like, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> fucking LBC punk rock fucking cock sucking motherfucker. Like, going off. <laughs> so they almost blow the deal for themselves. 
Uh, but, yeah, they do get signed. Um, also around this time, Lou Dog gets kidnapped. <laughs> what? So the lyric where he's just like, I don't cry when my dog runs away. Um, to Troy's account, he cried like a little baby for a full day when Lou Dog <laughs> got kidnapped. <laughs> Because this is what happens. So Lou Dog's tied up outside of this cafe, and uh, what's it called? <laughs> Lou Dog's tied up outside of this cafe, and they go inside, and you know Brad's just kind of like, "All right, Lou Dog, just chill here. You'd be totally rad." And like goes inside, gets some stuff, comes back out. Lou Dog's not there anymore, and they're like, "Oh well, maybe Lou Dog just you know he ran, he saw such and such and ran down the street or something." <laughs> Like you, you know, like you do. Ice cream man, whatever. Yeah, I'm sure he's fine, bro. And uh, I'm then, smoking a bowl right now. And then they bump into some guy and uh, some surfer dude, and they're like, "Hey, man, have you seen a Dalmatian?" And guys, like, yeah, I just saw a couple guys throw a Dalmatian in a black van and take off a minute oh. ago. So one of the two guys, I guess, has a heart, calls the tag, and like, listen, man, you know, my friend, this was his idea, like. I don't know if they knew it was his dog or not, but they just took the dog. Yeah. So, yeah, so they're like, look, we got the dog. I want to. Br- I, I don't feel right about this. I want to bring the dog back. He ends up dropping it off at somebody, another person somehow they know, whatever. They eventually get the dog back. But not, not before Brad writes the song, Lou Dog Went to the Moon. And <laughs> I, if, if you Google uh, search uh, Lou Dog Went to the Moon by Bradley Nolan, see the uh, acoustic version he does of it. It's just a – he's, like, drunk, and he's just like, my little dog went to the moon. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, oh, God, it's – yeah, it's sad. <laughs> I feel bad for the Lou Dog. Something about the Lou Dog getting in a uh, in a uh, weather balloon or something and flying up to the moon. I don't know. It's really weird. It's fucking weird. <laughs> okay, I'm officially back on hating them again. <laughs> um, so now – now that the band has signed with MCA, um, 96 comes around. Um, they start recording for the album Killing It, which obviously gets retitled later for obvious reasons. But this is going to be their commercial breakthrough album. They actually rec- end up recording some of it at uh, Willie Nelson's recording studio. No Crack House this time? No Crack House recordings on this one. Oh, oh just a Weed House. Um, and what's fuck- fucking great, and uh, obviously this one's got Doing Time, uh, Santeria on it. Um, what else is on there? What I Got. What I Got. Every s- single that you hear on the radio is probably on that album. Mm-hmm. And. Yes, and Santeria, too. There's actually a version of Santeria on Robin the Hood. What I Got Reprised. <laughs> it's called um, What I Got Reprised, yeah. Reprised. Fuck. Hold for edit. Hold for edit. Um, uh, what's it called? So, uh, yeah, there's a version of Santeria on Robin the Hood called Lincoln Highway Dub. And it's just that. Seinfeld beginning, I got it. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, that song blows them up. And uh, unfortunately, Brad doesn't get to see any of this because uh, he marries his girl, Troy. And then literally a week later, he overdoses on heroin. And I'm sure you saw how it went down. It's kind of fucked up. They were at like a... Uh, Wasn't like a record release... Not release party, but like... they were. I know they were at a hotel in San Francisco. They were celebrating how the album was going to do big or something. Yeah, they all... Basically, they were like, okay, they were very much aware of the fact that this was going to be the breakthrough album for them. And they were psyched on the fact this is the best album we've ever done. 
Um, me personally, not my favorite of their albums, just because I feel like it's just overproduction and all that. You know? <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I think it's my favorite for sure. I, I think Robin the Hood might be. It's my kind favorite. of the most coherent almost like yeah. album wise like, yeah like, i agree I, I like the sloppiness of the other two albums yeah, it makes it more real to me you know but there is like still the sloppy random stuff in it i know how you like those sublime albums <laughs> sloppy sloppy <laughs> <laughs> so they're in a hotel in uh san francisco and uh brad oh man this is such a bummer like he tries to wake up the band to go surfing Everybody's like, fuck off, I'm too hungover. Walks down to the beach, comes He's back. He's like, yeah, ten foot waves, and everyone's like, no one cares. No one cares, shut the fuck up, we're all hungover. And then he goes to the beach, comes back uh, next to Bud, and shoots heroin and dies. With Lou Dog at the foot of the bed, like, crying. Yeah. Knowing uh, that something's wrong. So fucked up. Not even the kid part is the sad part. It's Lou Dog that gets me every time. Yeah. It's the Lou Dog parts. The kid, I'm looking at the kid didn't know whatever. That's not that sad. He no. didn't. Oh, Jesus. Yes, it is. Oh, my God. But Lou Dog. Yeah. It is sad for Lou Dog. It's like, it's like that thing, like, um, you know, you, you don't like care how many bad guys get killed in a row in a movie, but when the dog dies in the movie, you're like, oh, the dog, though. Yeah. It's like, what about mindless goon number two who probably was trying to feed his family? You don't know. You don't know what that guy's going through. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so then um, Bud wakes up. He's like, uh, Brad, you're like totally like didn't even make it to bed yet. But Brad's got a needle in his arm, green foam all over his fucking mm. mouth. This fucks Bud up pretty badly, obviously. Album drops. Biggest album in the fucking world. Dude's dead. Um, they do all those weird videos where he's a ghost. In one of <laughs> yeah, them. those are. <laughs> Which okay. just depressed the fucking shit out of me. I'm like, oh, do you have to make him like all ghostly and playing? And in Santa Maria, it's all edited and boinks and bonks and shit and like yeah. reverse. It's just unlistenable videos. I think, uh, but it I also is good because uh, Debo from Friday. Uh, I read on the info that uh, Debo from Friday's in it and he gets bit in the face by Lou Dog. That oh, was filmed, but Lou Dog did nip at him. <laughs> did Lou Dog make the sound effect he did in Santa Maria when he was like, oh? <laughs> But, but after oh, wait, he did that, that was in the Good Charlotte video. Never mind. Lou <laughs> Dog, my head. Lou Dog took his collar off and put it around his neck. He's like, my grandmama gave me that chain. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, Lou Dog. Ah, that's a bad joke. Never mind. Anyway, jo <laughs> not your joke. The joke I was gonna say. I'm like, that's a bad no. joke. Um, yeah. So yeah, they they become the biggest. You band. got bit the fuck up. Oh, <laughs> hold for edit. <laughs> I had to think no, of one. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, but uh, what's it called? Uh, so, yeah, so um, yeah, they become the biggest band in the world. He dies, but never gets to see it. The band breaks up. Uh, Eric and Bud do the – Eric, Bud, and Miguel start the uh, – Dub All-Stars. Yeah, Long, Long Beach, Beach Dub All-Stars. All it's They're not terrible. I don't really like them. They kind of sound like that smash-mouthy thing <laughs> that I was talking about before. I'm like, this, I'm like if this is what Sublime is going to turn into, then I'm not into Sublime. It's like – what they were, to me, I'm like, like, you know, they're sublime with Rome now. It's actually only Eric Wilson that's in the band now. Bud left again. again oh, really? Because Eric, uh, so sublime with Rome, uh, basically the way that Eric made that happen was he got in touch with Bud and was like, hey, listen, it's not going to be like the last time. There's no drinking. There's no drugs. Like, you can bring your family on the tour and shit like that because Bud was like, no way, man. Like, I'm not doing this unless there's no drugs. 
rightfully so. I, if I yeah. went through what he went through, I would be like, yeah, no, I saw Brad fucking dot fuck you and fuck drugs. No, yeah. Um, but he leaves, and now it's just Eric Wilson. I think it's John Fries that's playing drums with. Oh, him. really? Yeah, he's on everything. Yeah, he's on everything. He's like a great session slash jump in musician. Kind yeah, of I uh, <laughs> uh, also recently, I think it was. They were playing backstage somewhere, and there was pot. This is Sublime with Rome? Yeah, Sublime with Rome. And um, they're playing some festival or something, and um, it was rumored that um, Lincoln Park told that they smelt pot, and the cops came. No, they to did. The, yeah, no, I heard I that, and that. I heard everyone saying it was Lincoln Park was telling on them, because they like were right before they went on stage or something, and like the cops were waiting for them. That's so fucked up if that's true, yeah. Hey, if we can Google that. Can you Google that, Rich? Uh, Google uh, Linkin Park narcs on Sublime with Rome. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, that's, that's unfortunate. Narcs. Sublime, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, also, uh, in the, um, I forgot to say this before, in the date rape video, mm-hmm. um, have you ever seen it? Yeah, with the date rape videos, like the dad's a clown. No, that's the um, wrong, wrong way. Wrong way. Yeah, which one's date rape? Date rape. It's them playing in like a warehouse, and there's like a party going on around them. And um, also, it's the guy goes to the bar and gets the girl, and it's like acting out the video. Kind of. Yeah. The guy in the van, I swear to God, is Chris Penn, <laughs> and the way his hair looks, I don't. I know it's not, but it looks exactly like Chris Penn from Reservoir Dogs. Like, was it good guy, nice guy Eddie or something? When you wait fu- till Daddy finds out. When Daddy finds out about all this stuff that you guys is doing, and while he's out raping, hey, uh, so watch the video. Nobody for- does shit until Daddy gets here. Daddy wouldn't do that. <laughs> yeah. Daddy wouldn't rape. Oh my. But yeah, look at it. It is fucking Chris Penn. <laughs> Oh, shit, really? Or I don't know. <laughs> Rich goes, pretty much like a park and arc them out, and then he goes, oh, wait, no, I don't know. <laughs> wait, what is it? Um... Although Linkin Park's Mike denied the band's involvement in the bust, Sublime singer Rome Ramirez shared with the official police report pulled towards Linkin Park. <laughs> I forgot about that until just That's while you started up. doing this. So Linkin Park narked out Sublime because they smoke pot? That's kind of lame. Which brings me to my conspiracy theory. Oh, okay. I was going to ask, do you have a conspiracy theory? That the uh, other two guys in Sublime? No, don't. You just don't. I don't want to hear. If you made that conspiracy up... It, they killed Chester Bennington. You heard it here, yeah. folks. You heard it here. Not Revenge. Fun. Hold for fucking Eddie. <laughs> Jesus goddamn Christ. No fucking conspiracy like that on this podcast. That is the conspiracy we're keeping. All right, so um, who would play who in the movie? All right, so for Bradley Knoll, I got Bobby Hill. <laughs> you All right, I guess if you do like a Roger Rabbit thing and it's Bobby Hill playing... <laughs> Or you could just have the ghostly Bradley Noel in the movie. There you go. It could be like Forrest Gump when he's meeting all the fucking celebrities and everything. Mm. Just have him saying different stuff. The movie revolves around Hong Kong Fooey in that conversation. I can't think. Go for it. Um, Eric would be, of course, a young Jonah Hill. Oh, that's a really good one. That's good, yeah. And Bud would be... Um, what's his name? Dave Pistino from Married with Children. Oh. Because he also played Bud. Oh, that's... Uh, Bundy. 
I didn't think of one for him because he's just kind of generic, dude. All right, so for um, let's see. Oh here. no. Yeah, go ahead. For uh, Bradley, I got Wee Man, just because <laughs> I think he kind of looks like him. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of shaped like a tall Wee Man. Rich, can you Google Wee Man and Bradley Knoll <laughs> side by side somehow? Maybe we could post that somewhere. <laughs> and Bobby Hill next to. And then for uh, Eric Wilson and Bud Gall, I have uh, Tim Heidegger and Eric uh, <laughs> Wareheim. That's I, a good one. I have Eric Wareheim obviously playing Eric Wilson and Tim Heidegger. <laughs> Does that not look like Wee Man? Put Wee Man on the beat. Oh, don't do that. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Terrible. Um, yeah, uh, so recommendations. Uh, what would you say? Like, if you were to recommend some lime, what song should they start with? Like, what's a good song for you? Um, it's just like Wee Man. Does that not look like Wee Man? That is, that is a Wee Man. <laughs> <laughs> that Anybody is a Wee Man. trying to produce the fucking Sublime movie, Wee Man, he needs some work, dude. Um, Wee Man, oh, yeah. No, but what would you say? Like, oh, I guess you you were saying Sublime the album is the one that you recommend. Uh, yeah, that's uh, definitely my favorite. Um, like, what would you say your favorite song is off of uh, the, the that one? In the end, I believe was it called. Uh, same in the end. How's that one go? That's the one. Kentucky Fried Chicken is all I see. You oh yeah. Find way to start your day. Oh, that's oh, a good that fucking song. So- it's so ninety sounding too. Yeah. Like, I that's when that guitar comes in that just rips. I was uh, April 29th or 26th. It's always different. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like written different on the back. I don't know what Miami means. I don't know that. that. I I, tr- I didn't have time to look into it. I was yeah. gonna look into it. Uh, yeah, anything, any of them, really. There's three of them. Listen to all three of them, mm-hmm. and they're all gonna have fucking good solos. I would say, as far as like um, hearing them at their best and their purest, probably want to go with um, uh, the first two, Forty Ounce and Robin the Hood. That's them. Like for me, like that's. Robin the Hood probably even more. Uh, Robin the Hood's got that homeless guy that's talking over everything. There's like this guy named I forget his name is Rayleigh something. It's Rayleigh something soliloquies, and he's just like, "God damn cocksucker! I told her to suck my cock." Yeah, they use it in um, Unwritten Law. Uses it too, and they're from kind of I think the same area. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think the that's same him. Time. I think that's him on the cover of Robin the Hood too. Oh, I think is that that's him? Yeah. Yeah, they have something. They have a track with him too. And cool thing about that is they got that picture because they were doing like a, like a video thing like behind stage, and he just went up to one of the cameras like ah, like big toothless <laughs> smile, and they just captured it and put it as an album. Um, but yeah, definitely check out Robin the Hood. A uh, bunch of good songs on there. Um, as far as seeing Sublime live, you've seen Sublime with Rome, right? Uh, yeah, twice, I believe. You've seen him twice, um, too, right, right? I saw him twice, and to be honest with you, Bad Fish, I think, was better. Bad Fish being the cover band that everybody yeah. goes and sees, yeah. Um, they did more of the hits, and they didn't do any Rome, so they, like, did all the songs you want to hear, all the... And there was no Rome there, no Rome stuff. Yeah, definitely go check out Bad Fish. Um, like Ryan said, definitely check out, um, just all three albums. They can't be that expensive, I'm sure, if you find them on, uh... Yeah, some kindred spirits, uh, Pepper, like we were saying, slightly stupid. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> that's a pretty. I, I wish we had more on Sublime, but you know they were kind of pretty straightforward. Like uh, I would definitely recommend watching the documentary. Uh, was it Lies, Secrets, and Exaggerations? Yeah, I remember I rented that um, from this video store back in the day, and it was just fucking like two and a half hours long. I think it's on uh, YouTube for free. It's a good watch, but it's not um, so coherent. As, like, the behind the music or something. It's kind of all over the place and just jumps around. Do you think that, um, 
like how do you picture that band say if he didn't die um like i said um like for me like i could see them like skunk records and all that stuff him being the next big like music producer kind of thing. like if he cleaned his act up and shit he would have been like no let me like, can you imagine like uh bradley noel and like damian marley or something like that yeah like he would have been still i still think he would have been cranking that shit the fuck out. oh yeah because he has gotten so many even like just bootleg and all these albums that are just out there that uh where he, he just got hours and hours and shit he recorded different songs different covers God different never everything. stopped fucking playing, never stopped yeah. and he would have still been doing it yep. and he like i got honestly so maybe it is good that we stopped where where it was so it didn't go overboard <laughs> yeah well um so yeah i mean i, I guess really that just kind of wraps it up like um you vote who's better lincoln park or sublime sublime and who killed who So uh, I guess that really does it. Um, and uh, yeah, so thanks for listening. And uh, you can check us out on Twitter if you have any like band. Oh, wait, what was that? <laughs> Is that the robot voice? <laughs> you can check us out on Twitter at Voluble Radio. Uh, Ryan, anything you want to add? I don't know if you can, but uh, we got to order for ONS. That's O N S. That's Junior Market. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. Uh... Thanks, everybody.